Let's talk about love. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about drugs. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about we. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about we. Let's talk about wealth. Let's talk about greed. Let's talk being broke, living in poverty. Let's talk about black. Let's talk about white. Let's talk about how we still fight for our rights. Let's talk government, sex schemes, and drugs. And let's talk about God. Let's talk about love. Let's discuss our feelings. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Blessed to Be Us. I'm your cousin in Christ, Wantra Levet, and this is Bougie Bible Study. If you are new here, I'd like to welcome you to the number one best Bible study class that you will ever come across. And if you are not new here, you already know how we get down at the number one Bible study class as we dive into the Bible and read a chapter a week, get the back end story on what took place and allow God to speak to us individually as he allow the words of the Bible to reign in our spirit and give us the insight on what we should take to apply to our lives to be able to live an enjoyable life today. Now, if you are new here, I advise you to check out any episode before this, for we are now diving into, and we are in class 31. Yes, so we've been doing this for some time now, so go ahead and check out any class before this so you can get a glimpse to see where we are, where we've been at, you know, what's been happening over here. Today, class, we will be in Genesis chapter 22. I know we skipped from (laughs) Genesis chapter 3 all the way to chapter 22. And again, I'm following along this Bible plan that I have in my Bible that just gives me a breakdown of what's been preached about today. Stories that we hear all the time that are literally talked about all over in churches, many different languages. How just the Bible is just so sufficient and vital for our lives to apply. But it's just so hard sometimes how to obtain a relationship with God. It's not an easy thing to do and it's not something that somebody could just volunteer you you to do you know nobody can make you go and form a relationship with God it is just very important for your life to have a relationship with the creator because why not be in relationship with the one who know you in and out like it means the world to me to be in this position to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and just allow God to use me to go through the Bible to hear the message to hear the stories and also to apply it to my life so if you are ready go ahead and grab your Bibles again today's class we will be into Genesis chapter 22 and today's title is Abraham and Isaac now we all heard stories about Abraham and Isaac but you ain't never heard it how I'm about to break it down and get the back end on really what took place in the story of Abraham and Isaac so I read out of the NIV version you can read out of any version you choose to that is your business you can simply just listen and follow along that is your business as well if you are ready I am ready too and let's begin Abraham tested chapter 22 verse 1 sometime later God tested Abraham he said to him Abraham here I am he replied then God said take your son your only son who you love Isaac and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you early the next morning Abraham got up and loaded his donkey 
he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. On top of the wood, then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on that boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Nahar's son, verse 20. Sometime later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She has borne sons to your brother, Nahar. Uz, the firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kimuel, the father of Aram, Kest, Hazel, Pildash, Jitlab, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Rima, also had sons, Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makah. And that is the end of our chapter. <laughs> what a very short chapter, straight to the point. And yeah, let's break it down. So boom, Abraham was tested by the Lord. I'm taking it in the chapters before we didn't get a chance to properly get an introduction of Abraham. But I'm guessing that Abraham has been tested by the Lord plenty of times. But this time, Abraham was tested to the point where he had to sacrifice his son. So sometimes later God says to Abraham he said to him Abraham Abraham like here I am Lord <laughs> God like take your son your only son the one that I told you you was going to have 
take him to the regions of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering to me. And on the mountain, I will show you. So Abraham didn't question, didn't say nothing. The next morning he got up, he took his son, two servants, enough wood. They started to head up to the mountain. He set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So they were walking, trucking along, day one, day two, and then on day three, Abraham actually see the place that God told him about. Abraham told his servants, stay here with the donkey while me and my son go over there. We will worship the Lord and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Him and his son, they just walking along and Isaac is noticing that they don't have a burnt offering. So he looked up and he like, Father, where is the burnt offering? Because we have the wood, we have the fire, we have the knife, but we don't have yet the sacrifice, the offering. And Abraham looks at his son and he said, Son, God will provide the sacrifice. And so he will provide the burnt offering. My son, don't worry about it. And so the two of them just carried on together. When they reached the place, God had told him about Abraham built an actual altar and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. As soon as he took out his knife to get ready to sacrifice his son, an angel called out to Abraham and was like, Abraham, Abraham, don't do that. <laughs> Abraham like, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> like, woo, like I could see sweat just dripping from Abraham's head. Like I'm really about to sacrifice my son. But I'm guessing that, you know, he had his share of fair times with not doing what God told him to do or trusting God's word. And this time he was actually going to pull through to it. So he was actually about to sacrifice his son. But in the midst of sacrificing his son, an angel called out to Abraham was like, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham quickly replied like, here I am. And he like, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. And Abraham looked up and what a miracle it was. It right there in the thicket, there was a ram caught right in the bushes. Horns, thorns just stuck right. The ram was just caught for them to sacrifice. And I'm sure Abraham looked up and gave many, many thanks to God that he didn't have to sacrifice his son, but yet that God was able to provide a sacrifice for Abraham right in the midst of the time that he felt like, you know, he was about to sacrifice his son. So he takes the ram and he does exactly what God told him to do, sacrifice the burnt offering for him. Abraham decided to call that place the Lord will provide. And it really stuck out to me as I'm reading the story. And trust me, I've heard this story plenty of times. But what's sticking out to me is this one question that I can hear up in my head is how many times have God has tested you and you have failed? How many times have you told God, Wantrell, that you trust him and you have failed <laughs> to do that? So just listening to the story as I'm talking about it, this is what's playing in my head. Abraham ends up naming that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I'm going to just tell this story and I'm going to try to tell it as quick as possible. One day I was driving home in my car and I was coming from Los Angeles going up to a city called Victorville, which is like an hour and a half away. I was on my way home and I was deciding 
confident like okay i'm going to get gas because i know that my car needed gas this one particular time never had i ever took this way ever in my life and i've never decided to go home this way but this one particular time i decided to use my gps to get me from the location of los angeles where i was at to get me home to victorville the gps decided i don't know for what reason she he it decided to take me on a different route so i'm on this route and as i'm driving the route i'm thinking to myself okay my car gas is getting low and i need to go ahead and get some gas so I'm going to pull over into the next exit or whatever the case may be. I'm noticing that there is no exit for me to get off this freeway, this road, this runway freeway or whatever it was. And there was no exit. But instead, the freeway was actually leading me into some mountains. I kid you not. I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I'm going to go through the mountains. But there's going to be some type of exit for me to get out now my gas light is on and my car is telling me that I need gas so at this point I'm starting to get a little bit nervous because I'm in the middle of the mountains and my gas is running out of gas I started to panic I started to panic a little bit and I'm praying in my head and I'm saying oh Lord Jesus please get me to a gas station this is when I first started taking my my spiritual walk this is in the beginning of my spiritual walk I had to be like a year year into my spiritual journey so I'm going through the mountain my car is going on E and I'm praying and I'm asking God to get me to the next gas station I'm getting me to a gas station so my my gas is just dropping like it's going like now I'm 10 miles from being on empty and I'm in the middle of nowhere and now my phone service is starting to lose service It's starting to not have any cellular service so I'm really starting to panic. There was something inside of me, something in my heart. I couldn't explain to myself what it was at the time, but it was a strong urge and a strong voice saying, do you trust me? I got you, keep going. And I just kept hearing that. Do you trust me? I got you, keep going. Do you trust me? I got you, keep going. And still to this day, this story brings tears to my eyes, especially when I tell it and remember it so vividly, like how I'm doing it right now. I remember it so boldly in my spirit that I could hear God asking me, do you trust me? Because I got you, I need you to keep going. So at this point, my car is already on E. I've already ran out the 10 miles that I had and I am completely in the middle of the mountains. And I'm only dependent on my GPS, the GPS that I've already had it loaded up um, because now at this point, I don't have service. And I started to cry and I started to exclaim, yes, I trust you, I, I believe that you got me and I started to tell God that and it was like a force pushing my car through the mountain because my car at this point was on E. I had no gas in my car. I had zero miles to get to the gas station but for some reason my car was moving at full speed. 
I started to think about all the million things of why my car was still going. I'm like, maybe it's because I'm going down the hill. Maybe because it's the loop in the mountain. You know, it was just all these things. But the one thing that stuck out to me is I kept saying, God is pushing my car to the gas station. And make a long story short, my car drove about, I want to say, it had to be like 50 to 70 miles where my car was driving on empty and I actually made it to a gas station and when I got to that gas station all I could do was cry tears of joy I couldn't even understand what had just took place and it was a strong strong feeling a strong urge and a strong sense that God was explaining to me how he had me and all I needed to do was trust him that moment I think I I think I took my spiritual journey super serious I started to not play about myself and I started to not play about having faith in God because I watched God literally produce a miracle in my life at that moment and so for some people it may sound crazy and it may sound untrue but to me the person who actually walked and bear witness to this miracle to be in a situation like that when you have no choice but to trust God to rely on him and you actually see him pull through for you that has to be a feeling that is so rewarding to just heighten and highlight the faith and hope that I have in the creator so I can truly understand that I can say that I understand how Abraham felt when God asked him to do something and he went along to do it not knowing how the outcome would be when thinking that he would have to sacrifice his son and at the very very minute that he felt like it was over for his son God actually provided for him that says a lot to me it brings about the many miracle stories that God has done for people and it's not just Abraham for me for you for other people if you can just look at that you you would think like how how did this happen and of course only God only God can allow some things like this to happen and it's a blessing to me to be able to read the stories and then get get the back end story on that and then understand how a back end story took place in my life and see how God worked in my life and at a time where he was present in my life or where he showed his hand in my life when he blessed my life like to look at that and say you know what God the trust that I have in you I I ask that you multiply that trust. I ask that you heighten that trust. I ask that you enlighten that trust for me because that trust is what's going to get me through. It's going to get me through my hard times. It's going to keep me through my good times. It's going to allow me to live how I'm supposed to live because I'm trusting the source that's going to be my one that the one that's going to provide. One thing about the Lord, he will provide. She will provide. It will provide. However you identify the Lord, it will provide. The Lord will provide. I am a walking testimony. There's plenty of walking testimonies out here that could say the Lord will provide and to understand how Abraham named that place the Lord will provide is because at that moment when you felt like I was going to have to give up something that the Lord gave me but yet the Lord actually provided for that moment it's very rewarding I love the fact that I'm able to dive into the Bible and get the back end story from my own understanding and so the angel called to Abraham 
from having a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. So this this is the Lord telling Abraham that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. That is a lot of descendants. <laughs> talking about the sand on the seashore, honey. You talk about every little grain of sand. That's a lot. Even the stars in the sky, like that's a lot. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Just off that obedience, God was like, yep, you my guy. I'm gonna bless you from here on out. Like you gonna have nations on nations on nations. Your descendants is going to swarm this world. Like you're gonna have generations after generations after generations. Then Abraham returned to his servant and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Now, I don't know how Noah's sons, Nahor's, I, I think I'm saying his name right. Nahor's sons came about, but it does give us a glimpse of Abraham's brother, Nahor, who also had eight sons by his woman, Milka. Sometimes later, Abraham was told Milka is also a mother. She bore sons to your brother, Nahor. Uz, the firstborn, Buzz, his brother. Kemuel, the father of Aram. Kest, Hazel, Pildash, Jitlap, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Um, Milka bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine was Nahor's concubine. If you guys don't know what a concubine is, a concubine is like a side piece in the ancient times, but like a servant to the wife who's also a side piece to the husband. It was all poly life, if you ask me. It was back in the day. Mm, Still going on today. But anyways. Anyway, so he had a side piece, concubine, and her name was Rima. And it's spelled R-E-U-M-A-H. I could be saying her name wrong, but you know what? We're going to call her Rima. And she also has sons, Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Mecca. Maka. She had four sons. So I'm taking it. Abraham, brother, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. He had eight sons. Abraham had a lot of kids too because Abraham, even though it says right here in this chapter that Isaac was his only son, technically that was not his only son because Isaac came after Abraham slept with one of Sarah's servants. But we didn't get to that story because the Bible didn't. This Bible plan did not allow us to get to that story. Instead, it pushed us all the way to Genesis chapter 22. And yeah, you guys, that is the story of Genesis chapter 2. I'm sure we guys, we've heard this story plenty of times, how Abraham was tested. But the thing that stands out to me, the question that stands out to me is what God wants. And what he wants, because you would think, like, what kind of game is God playing? Like, God, what you doing? You you over here with the squid games, okay? Like, God is really with the squid games. That's, that's somebody you don't want to play with. <laughs> so, basically, when you ask that question, what does God want? Whatever does God want? God wants faith. The Bible says God wants faith. He wants us, his children, his kids, his his descendants, his heirs to have faith in him. Through our good, through our bad, our ups and downs and all around. God wants faith. 
that's what he wants he wants he means complete trust regardless of the odds when we finally learn that it's so rewarding and for instance my story for what's my story for instance taking me through the mountain god wanted me to trust him that he would get my car from where it was at all the way to the gas station driving 50 plus miles on e god wanted me to trust him i did god got me to my destination so the question for us is what is the hardest test of faith you have ever been through how has god been teaching you that you can trust him the hardest test of faith that i have been through i'm actually going through it right now is trusting god in my life to allow me to be the one to break generational curses i don't know a millionaire in my family i don't i've never met one i don't come from them i ain't never seen none but it starts with me i will be the first millionaire in my family that will pass down multi-millionaire generational wealth to my kids and they will pass down to their children the test has been to trust god faithfully in all areas of my life from breaking generational trauma of childhood to breaking curses debt of finances to leaving me into a promised land that says that my life is sufficient and I do deserve to live an enjoyable life despite where I come from. No foster care, no child care system, not having a mom and dad, not having people to support me or anything like that ever is going to define what God has for me and my life. And I declare that for you as well because we are generational curse breakers. That means anything about my life that was not sent for God to keep me hostage, best believe God is going to allow every yoke to be broken and every bond to be broken because he's going to pull me out into the promised land. And that promised land is saying that my daughter is sufficient to have whatever it is that she desires here on earth because she trusts me. She has faith in me. And it's a great reward that I wouldn't want to change for anybody. I will stop and drop all that I'm doing to walk in relationship with God because that is the only thing that's keeping me in 100. Everything else is a percentage of what a relationship God has, but a relationship with God is at full 100%. It is the most important thing to me. I thank you for coming on today's episode. So go ahead, you guys, send this message to somebody who you feel may benefit from it. It could be anybody who have a hard time reading the Bible, which is don't know how and can simply just follow along with us and come join our family over here at Blessed to BS, all my cousins in Christ. You guys, check out all the episodes before and don't forget to check us out on social media, Blessed to the number two, B, letter B, S, like the word, letter S, on Instagram, excuse me, Instagram, Bougie Bible Studies on Facebook. And plus, I keep all this stuff in a link below. So you can simply just click on it and it should direct you guys to those social media pages. So yes, you guys, until next time, you guys, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.